Good morning, friends, and welcome to our 945 worship service on this. It is Christ the King Sunday, the last climactic Sunday of the Christian year. Advent begins next week. Uh, what a wonderful time to be uh, in the house of God. Welcome to those of you in the room, many more joining us online. Welcome to you who are visiting with us. I met a few of you before the service. I know there are others. Thank you. We are so honored that you've come. We hope you'll come again. We hope you leave us some contact information so we can begin the process of befriending one another. That would be a great thing. Um, welcome. My name is James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Jessica Dason. Good morning. It is so good to be together. I want to make sure you notice in your bulletin there is an extra little sheet there that has all your information about Advent and all of our special offerings coming up. There are so many ways for you to get involved, get connected. Um, our Advent small groups are starting up. You can shop our Merry Market. You can buy a Christmas tree from our youth group. There are tons of ways to get involved, so please make sure you check that out. Friends, it is good to be in the house of God, so let us prepare our hearts for worship.
family of God, now let us join our voices together as we profess our faith through the Apostles' Creed. It can be found on page 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. On this Christ the King Sunday, we come together with confidence knowing that we serve a God who is rich in mercy and quick to forgive. So let us join now in our prayer of confession as printed in your bulletin. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 25, beginning with the 31st verse. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see thee hungry and feed thee? or thirsty and give thee drink? And when did we see thee a stranger and welcome thee, or naked and clothe thee? And when did we see thee sick or in prison and visit thee? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. 
naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when did we see thee hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to thee? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment and the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Christ the King. Uh, cynics would say, uh, if God's the king, if he's ruling, he's not doing a very good job. It's a mess. It's a mess down here. The question is, what is the shape of Christ's kingship? I love the way what we sang, if you heard that, uh, those wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified, right? Um, Jesus was a few days from um, uh, bearing those wounds on Holy Week, Holy Tuesday. He walked in the city of Jerusalem, uh, came up the steps, walked among the colonnades of the temple, and he taught all day long. Matthew records 212 verses of his talking. That's a lot. That'd take a while. Uh, he talked all day long. It's as if he, he knows his time is short. He has a few things to say. He actually has a lot of things to say. And we might wish that Jesus, with not much time left, had just said, guys, you're good. You got it. Don't worry, be happy. But that's not Jesus' final message. Instead, he has some challenging words, some downright daunting words. It's about judgment. Uh, the most important thing when Jesus talks about judgment is that he says he, he will judge. He will be the one to separate the sheep from the goats. It's not your task. It's not my task. We wouldn't be any good at it. We're not good at making that judgment. It's not ours. It's God's to make. It's actually no flattery to be a sheep or a goat. If you've been around sheep or goats, they're not brilliant creatures. Uh, they're smelly, dirty. It's no flattery. And what do we do now like sheep and goats? I've told you the story before about oh, when I was on sabbatical seven or eight years ago. I was traveling with a buddy in northern Scotland, and we stopped at a pub, and the guy next to me is chatting me up. And finally I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a shepherd. He just told a pastor that he's a shepherd. Like, I want to talk about shepherding. One of the things we got to, I asked him, I said, why is it always sheep and goats? You think you just have a flock of, ge a flock of sheep or a flock of goats. It's always sheep and goats. Why is that? He said, I don't know. I think they just do better together. And I love that. I think we in the church, we may not agree on everything. We may be different. We're going to be better together. Better together. What do we do while we are together? I love how simple Jesus keeps this, right? What, what, what saves you? What doesn't? It's something very simple. It's something very doable. You don't have to have complex, complex theological understandings. It's just so simple. Uh, verses. Sometimes people come to me with a Bible verse or five Bible verses about some topic or another, and I don't mind that. I've, I've read them before, but I'm happy to sit down and talk with people about Bible verses. If numbers of Bible verses matter, if you take that 212 in Matthew and, I don't know, quadruple, quintuple, sextuple it, I don't have the right Verb that would be the number of verses in the Bible that say to us most clearly what I've been saying the last few weeks is that in the Bible, the poor are never vilified, the poor are never blamed, the poor are always and everywhere to be the objects of our attention, our love, our caring. Our generosity is something that we do freely, is something that we do joyfully. It's just what you do, and our judgment seems to depend on it. I don't know. We get busy. We get distracted. We have sins of omission. We fail to do what we could do. We have sins of um, pity. It's a sin just to pity people. We have the sin of blame. We have the sin of uh, what I call the measly effort. I'll just I'll give a dollar to the guy at the stoplight. That'll cover me. I'll be good. Hmm. 
Uh, and Jesus is talking about salvation. I have to confess to you, you probably know this, you've been around me very long. Uh, I don't, I'm a little under attentive if I look at my preaching record over time of uh, talking about salvation and how for you to get into heaven. Some of it, I think, is when I was a kid growing up, when I went to church, I would go with my grandparents. I was with them a lot, went to church a lot, and their pastor every Sunday preached a hellfire damnation sermon that scared the daylights out of me. And then he would have an altar call. If anybody out there has not accepted Christ, come forward so you can go to heaven. And no one came, week after week. And I'm, turn, I'm a little kid, I'm turning around thinking, the 27 people in Oakboro, North Carolina are already saved. Let's talk about something else. Anyway, it's just a thing. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about the healing of our past. We talk about strength for today. We talk about hope for tomorrow. We talk about the task that God has given us. I think I tend to think if we keep all that organized and moving forward, of course, we'll be in heaven. It's a matter of people could ask the question in light of today's passage. They might say, Jesus is saying salvation depends on have I done these things for these people. I thought salvation depended on me having faith in the grace of Christ. It's a false dichotomy. It's a false dichotomy. It's just a matter of sticking close to Jesus. I told you a few weeks back about my friend Robert Lutz who has gone on to glory. Robert traveled with me to Israel, to Turkey, uh, Italy. He was, and when I'm with my groups, I'm always trying to keep up with people. Are they all here? And I, at first, I, would work, I couldn't see Robert anywhere. The reason I couldn't see Robert anywhere is he was right there. He was like glued to my back. I never had to worry about Robert being far away. Anything I did, Robert did. If you stick close to Jesus... It's just, you can't help but do the things that Jesus did. Jesus touched the untouchables. Jesus cared for the people that nobody else cared for. Hmm. If we stick close to Jesus, if we love him, if we believe in him, we will stick close to him, and those things will just come. Uh, judgment, uh, by the way, uh, I think I mentioned this a while back. Uh, the Theologian Gerhard Lofink has this uh, very interesting idea that the way judgment will work is that uh, after you die, everything that ever happened to you will be clear to you, right? So you'll see everything that you ever did, and that will include the mistakes that you know about, the dumb things that you know about. That could take a while to pay attention to those. But then it's also the dumb stuff that you, you didn't notice, that you didn't know. You hurt somebody. You didn't mean to hurt them. You didn't know that you hurt them. You said something, and it set in, in process of some events that you said something that hurt this person's feelings. They were in a bad mood. Who knows what happened there? And all that will become clear to you, not so you'll feel like a schmuck, but so that you'll understand the depth of the mercy of God. Like my whole person, my whole life is redeemed by God. Uh, in the meantime, uh, sheep and goats, uh, we can be uh, incredibly useful. We can be useful to God. I read something from my birthday, a friend of mine gave me a biography of Edith Wilson. Edith Wilson, you know, uh, Woodrow Wilson, uh, his wife died while he was in the White House. Then he fell in love with and married Edith, and she did a great job of protecting him when he had a stroke so the public wouldn't know that he was disabled. When World War I began and the United States got into it, she wanted to set a good example for the country by making sacrifices, everyone pulling together. She decided it would be a brilliant idea instead of paying somebody to mow the White House lawn, uh, that uh, she knew somebody with 18 sheep, and they brought the sheep in, and the sheep would nibble the grass. And this seemed like a great idea. People came, loved to see the sheep. The sheep, of course, multiplied. The sheep, of course, uh, nibbled the bushes and flowers. Uh, the sheep caused dogs in the neighborhood to bark incessantly. There was one sheep, the alpha male, old Ike, he would headbutt the White House staff. They didn't like having the sheep around. Finally, though, the sheep became very, very woolly, excessively woolly, and so uh, Edith Wilson thought it'd be a good idea to have the Department of Agriculture come. There are photos of this. Google it. 
uh, and they sheared the sheep, massive piles of wool. She had it distributed among the 48 states. They had auctions to sell off the wool. They say 50, 000, they raised $50,000 for the Red Cross for the war effort. Like Even sheep can be useful. There's something about you that can be useful to God. It doesn't have to be heroic, but when you do anything making yourself useful to God, God's reign becomes manifest. People begin to see it. They begin to understand it. Part of our project here is to try to help you find your way toward advanced, deeper levels of being useful for God. You might start as a beginner kind of thing. You buy a gift card for the Mary Market. Outstanding. You make a contribution to the church's mission and outreach fund. That is outstanding. That's a great starting point, but then you want to go a little deeper. You want to go a little closer to Jesus. You're still kind of back there where John Clarkson is. Like, you want to get up closer, like Robert Lutz. And so you, you do something like you volunteer at Trinity's Table. I'd love to go over there. We're serving food uh, to folks in uh, at South Tryon. Uh, on Thursdays, and you get to know people's names, and you start to hear their story. The two guys, if you go there, I promise you, you'll meet Robert, and you'll also meet Robert. They're always just right next to each other. I can't keep them straight. One's Robert, and one's Robert. I thought that was a funny <laughs> line. And then something else happens. Instead of going to Jackson Hole one of the weeks of your vacation, you're on a mission trip somewhere. Oh, my goodness, things are happening. And then the ultimate goal since we're having communion today, as you start eating with other people. Heard a story of a woman in our church. She was uh, tutoring a child. She got to know the child's mother. The mother bragged that she was a great cook. And so boldly, our woman said, I'd, I'd love to come to your house and eat your great cooking. And the woman was a little embarrassed. She said, my home's, it's not the kind of house you'd be comfortable in. She didn't miss a beat. She said, would you like to come to our house and cook? And we could all eat together. She said, yeah, I'd love to do that. So she came to a house over here in Myers Park, whipped up a great meal. They had an absolute blast together. This reminded me of a story I heard recently about a friend of mine and his wife uh, who went to uh, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter's church in Plains, Georgia. And when the service was over, it broke up, and they were kind of among the last to leave. Uh, and uh, Jimmy finally said, uh, do you have somewhere to eat lunch? And they said, well, no, not really. Carter says, uh, would you like to eat lunch with us? Like, what's the answer to that? Like, no, no, we're, we're going to go to Wendy's. <laughs> We'd love to eat lunch with you. Yes. So Carter says, can you cook? <laughs> they said, yes. So Carter reaches in his wallet and pulls out a recipe. It's Rosalind's recipe for lasagna. Can you make this? <laughs> no pressure. And so they went to the Carter's house and cooked. Um, isn't that fabulous, right? It's all about, that's when the kingdom begins to dawn. You eat with unexpected people. You find yourself in the company of others, sheep, goats. We're all together. The thing that we realize is, of course, the hungry ones, we're not the haves and they're the have-nots. We're all hungry. We're all imprisoned by something. We're all thirsty. We're all strangers to each other and to God. Jesus is the one who comes, he feeds us, he clothes us, he welcomes us. And when we stick close to him, we can't do much else. Karl Barth, great theologian, said, Christians are people, I love this, Christians are people with a definite passion. In no circumstances can Christians be cowards, bored, boring, or commonplace. I think my sermon is, friends, do not be boring. Do not be bored. Show us some excitement, show us some enthusiasm, show us some passion. It, over and over in the Bible, it just gives us the simple recipe for what to do. Help those who are hurting. Never have a stray, hard word for someone else. Love those who are in need. Find yourself breaking bread with them. And when that happens, people will know, ah, Christ really is uh, the king. Thanks be to God. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer.
Lord God, let our hearts be crowded with gratitude today as we celebrate with thanksgiving in your house. May we come to your feasting table with great joy and eagerness, for we are truly grateful to you for all that we have been given. We pause now in silent prayer to thank you for the great generosity of your many gifts. Lord, in your mercy. Oh God, when we have food, help us to remember the hungry. When we have work, help us to remember the jobless. When we have a home, help us to remember those who have no home at all. When we are without pain, help us to remember those who suffer and remembering, may be, we be moved with compassion to help those who cry out for what we take for granted. Lord, in your mercy. God of love, help us to see you. Where people live on the streets today, suffer from hunger or beg for a meal. Where people live lonely lives, or feel like strangers in a strange land, where people face rejection for the color of their skin or the language they speak, where people lack enough clothing, shelter, or life's basic resources, where people live without dignity, exposed to every kind of pain and hardship, may your kingdom come and your will be done in all these circumstances. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we would ask you that you would be with all who grieve this day. Especially today, we remember the family of Tom Murdoch. Comfort them in their time of loss and grief. We are mindful, Lord, of all those who for this season of celebration is not one of joy because of their pain and memories of lost loved ones. Comfort them in their brokenness. Lord, in your mercy. O oh God, when your people feel pain in body, mind, or spirit, may your presence and compassion be known and be real. For it is in the sure and certain name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Today, Stephen ministers are acting as communion stewards, as readers of the gospel lesson. We're so grateful that your tithes and offerings support many ministries in this church. Stephen ministry is a caring ministry for those who are hurting. And your tithes and offerings make that ministry possible in this church. So on behalf of them, we give you thanks today.
bless our gifts so they touch the lives of those in need. May they feed the hungry and clothe the naked and become the roots of justice in the world for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thursday, our family gathered in Winston-Salem, and it fell to me for the first time to say the blessing. This because my father-in-law has always said the blessing, and he passed uh, last month, so it fell to me. When I prayed, I thought about what we would do today. So in my prayer, I not only thank God for those of us that were gathered there in the sumptuous feast that we were about to enjoy, we remembered those who are alone, have nobody to eat with. We remember those who don't have fabulous food. We remembered also those like my father-in-law, Rosalind Carter, people that you have loved and lost, who mystically are with us at our Thanksgiving table, at this Thanksgiving table, which is a cause for great wonder and glory. Friends, uh, this is our Lord's table. All are welcome. Everyone is welcome. Jesus wants everybody to come to his table. It's all about grace and mercy. Uh, we'll begin with our prayers of consecration. You can find uh, the words, if you don't know them, page 17 at the front of your hymnal. The choir will guide us in singing our responses. After the leaders receive, the ushers will guide you. We have three stations where you can receive two in the front and one in the back. You come, somebody hands you a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, return to your seat. You can receive kneeling at the altar, or you can also receive with these um, gluten-free, COVID-friendly packets, if that's uh, something that you would like as well. All are welcome, as we say. So friends, let's join together now in the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a good and wonderful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending
blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread. And after giving you thanks, he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom
friends, would you join with me now in the prayer after communion, which you can find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, both now and forevermore. Mm -hmm. 